0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. All gathered together. That's Barton Simmons, that's Tom Fernelli, and I'm Chip Patterson. And, and gentlemen, it was uh, one of the busiest, I think the busiest, spring game weekend uh, of the, the spring season. We got a, a lot of notes to get to here. We got to see Alabama, which you know I feel like we don't have, but I guess we, we can get into it. Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, Florida, Auburn, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Michigan Miami Texas A&;M a lot to get to uh, let's Tom Fernelli uh, how is how is your spring football season been so far
2: oh it's exciting
0: everyone's everyone's looking good
2: excitement oh yeah. yeah everybody's gonna win every game everybody's gonna win a national title it's gonna be great
0: Barton uh, did you get any help from the youtubers on getting some more spring games online yeah
3: yeah much better effort week two uh they heard you youtube army getting on (laughs) it uh i've still got a few that did make it to the youtube that are still sitting on my dvr that i gotta i gotta dig into so i didn't have a you know i'm not i'm not batting a thousand for watching every game but i'm i'm efforting uh so the youtube army definitely stepped their game up in week two though
0: um let's start in columbus because we've got uh, obviously, the changeover at head coach Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. We've got the changeover quarterback from record-setting Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields and Barton. The I think that there should be some leniency given for Fields based on the idea that you know he just arrived, he's still working through the playbook. But from Ohio State's offense in general, was there anything that you felt like we could glean from what the Ryan Day era might look like, if at all different uh, from what we've seen from the Buckeyes when he was offensive coordinator uh, for the last two years?
3: Well, I mean, I think it's it's an offense that is going to have a lot more quarterback run elements to it with Justin Fields in our center. And I know he hadn't won the job technically yet. And I know his performance was underwhelming, but I still expect him to be the quarterback. Um, so I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons I've got optimists about Ohio State. I still think I think Ryan Day is capable of c- creating an offense that that caters to what their skill set is, what their you know what, what their strengths are. The you know the receiving core is still loaded. Uh, they got a bunch of upperclassmen that are really, really good. And, they, you know, we got a flash out of Garrett Wilson, Woo! the five-star true freshman. Uh, Going up and, and getting and, it. He had one of them go up and, and
0: get it touchdowns.
3: That's, that's right. That's right. The, the, had, a, had a big boy touchdown there. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so and, and then obviously we still got J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague back there is is is, 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 is developing. So the offensive pieces are in place. I'm curious because I think, Tom, you watched most of this one or a lot of this one. What were your impressions of not? I don't know about like Justin Fields' performance, but I'm curious your perspective on just like, all right, what, how healthy do you think Ohio State is if we assume Justin Fields is their, their quarterback?
2: Well, I'm assuming then that Justin Fields plays better than he did in the game because he he really did not play that well. But like you said, it's he's new, he's still learning the playbook and plus it's the spring game. You never want to put too much stock in what you see there. But it was I mean, they look like Ohio State. Obviously, Ryan Day's taken over the offense is going to have a bit of a different look. It's not just they're going to have the run game, but it's not just going to be JT Barrett running QB power into the left tackle's ass for 45 minutes. <laughs> so, I I think, you know, Offensively, it was really hard to get a gauge. Justin Fields was inaccurate. He had the one ninety-eight yard touchdown to Benjamin Victor, but that was more of a result of the cornerback falling down than it was anything else that went on. And it was just. He, was, he, he just looked like a quarterback that, like you said, didn't really know the playbook yet or is still figuring things out because he was having, I think it was just kind of a communication issue with his receivers. He was missing throws and throws that were there he wasn't making. But overall, from a talent-wise, just when you watched them play, they clearly look like the better team or the best team in the Big Ten still. So as long as Justin Fields takes the summer and the fall and all, the, you know, camps and practice and is ready for the start of the season. I don't think I, I really don't have any doubt in my mind that Ohio State's going to enter 2019 season as the favorite in the Big Ten and the most likely team to win the East. Although, I mean, it's not it's not a given because I think Michigan's going to be better and we'll be getting to that later and I think you know Penn State and Michigan State are still going to be good. I think Maryland's going to be improved. But I still think that they're the class of the conference and that division at this point just based on what I saw and defensively I thought they looked pretty good. I thought they looked like an Ohio State defense. So it's 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 probably going to be a good season for Ohio State. That's that's my official prediction.
3: So uh, here here's my uh Here's my quick Justin Fields perspective because I think a lot of people looked at that game and Justin Fields what was he four of thirteen or something and yeah. you know he had 130 yeah. something yards like you said 98 on that one throw beating a, a walk on um, and so I think there's a lot of kind of haters out there. And, and who just like to sort of shovel dirt on, on Justin Fields' grave and, oh, he transferred out of Georgia. He couldn't cut it there. And, oh, you know, he's not what we thought he was. Look at him in the spring game. Like, all these people that are just sort of, you know, root for failure. Um, and I would say, like, two things to that. One is Justin Fields always needed reps. Like, that was why this was the best thing, the best decision for him to make is to – Leave because he's he's not going to be NFL ready if he's playing behind Jake Fromm for three years and then finally gets his one year of opportunity like that. He just he needs a year in the line of fire uh, and 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 really kind of experience what it's like making you know real reads and real games. He just doesn't have the same sort of reps that like a guy like Trevor Lawrence had coming out of high school. Uh, so I think we're going to see dramatic improvement over the course of the next eight months or whatever it is. Uh, and I think'll be a very different quarterback at the end of next year as he is at the beginning of this of the uh, end of this year as, as he is at the beginning of this year um the other point I would make too on the Justin fields thing is like, i I want to take people back to what Kyler Murray did in the spring game last year oh you guys remember his game do you guys remember well, I, I looked it up his numbers in that game 11 of 21 for 85 yards throwing and 35 yards rushing. I mean – Had us that, talking about Austin yeah, Kendall. Austin maybe. Kendall was like the favorite <laughs> for the starting job. Had attempt. us hyping Austin Kendall <laughs> like he was going to straight up beat Kyler Murray for the job. And then the dude goes on and wins the Heisman and like, you know, has one of the most efficient, productive years in the history of college football and he's going to be the number one pick. So it's like they're, they're – you know, I, I really think Justin Fields is in that boat. I I'm not saying he's going to have that year, but he's like Kyler Murray was. This was his first year ever starting. He was moonlighting in baseball. You know, this is Justin Fields' first year ever starting. He's learning a new offense. They're both like bring an athletic element that is going to translate better in live action than it will in a in a controlled scrimmage. So, I, I would just. I would just hesitate anybody to to make any hot takes about like Justin Fields ain't what he thought he was or ain't what we thought he was because there there's there there's a long way to go in this Justin Fields story.
2: and, and to a certain extent, I think that there's a tendency now with some recency bias because. A guy like Tua and then Trevor Lawrence were both able to come in and right away they looked like, you know, the real deal. They were two dudes who were ready to play and then to a lesser extent you could say the same thing about Jake Fromm who Fields was behind. But that's just not how it works with most quarterbacks. Even the highly rated five stars, most of them show up at college, and they still need, like you said, they still need reps, they still need grooming, they still need to figure things out. So, I think that when you look at what happens with Trevor Lawrence, everybody looks at Justin Fields and says, "Well, why isn't he dominating from the start?" Trevor Lawrence did, or Tua did, and I think that's just unfair.
0: Well, Trevor Lawrence didn't even start at the beginning of the season. Oh, no. Kelly, Kelly Bryant getting out there. Um, okay, two things. Number one. Kyler did have some time at Oklahoma, including time as a backup, as a live backup to Baker Mayfield to get settled, to get familiar with the offense. But if I am an Ohio State fan, you know, it's you know, I don't root for failure, and an Ohio State fan is certainly rooting for success. I think that if I'm a concerned Ohio State fan with what I saw from the spring game, this is what I would look at to, to make me feel more comfortable because I think you are right. I think that Justin Fields and the Ohio State offense – We should assume that he is going to be more effective, more productive, and more comfortable for sure by the end of the season than he is at the beginning of the season. Ohio State's first four games, home against FAU, home against Cincinnati, which might be tricky. I don't know. Cincinnati could be good. At Indiana, and then home against Miami, Ohio. So four games where Ohio State will be favored by at least a touchdown and much more in some of those cases And before they go on the road to Nebraska. And I would consider that road game at Nebraska to be Ohio State's probably first really big test. Sure. Justin well, Fields getting live game action for about a month before that Big Ten play – before uh, – that Big Ten road game against Nebraska and Michigan State coming up the next week, I think that that's what you are looking at and saying, all right, just because he doesn't look like uh, a first-team all-Big Ten quarterback right now doesn't mean that he might not be that by the end of the season.
2: Well, I do want to point out it's an Ohio State tradition to be losing to Indiana at halftime. so right. <laughs> right. That third game could, for 30 minutes, that third game could be the test.
0: Then we're just going to run mesh routes for the entire second half and yes. figure out ways to get people open. Perfect. Uh, what? All right. You mentioned that Ohio State, you know, you your pick in the Big Ten East, you're, you think that they will be the Big Ten favorite. Uh, Barton, I feel I saw the, you know, ESPN does their FPI, and I think that there's going to be, they had Michigan in the top 10, no Ohio State in the top 10 of their, you know, early 2019 look ahead. And I think that when we get to Big Ten media days in July, there's going to be a lot of voters that just, just seeing, uh, you know, the the opportunity to slot Michigan against Ohio State. I think there's going to be just a, a human nature to that where you want to mix it up. You want to see that something different is going to happen than the result that we had seen for most of the last five or six years. So Michigan had a controlled scrimmage. It was the you know beginning of starting to see what we might get. See slivers of what Josh Gattis' influence is. Like, do you think that? Will Michigan be your Big Ten East favorite, or will you be slotting them one in the uh, in the conference when we get to our pick-in time in July and August? I
3: don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's where I'm at. I mean, it's Big Ten is really interesting. Um, I I think that first of all, like let's talk about how like I think ballsy. The hire of Josh Gaddis was mm. by Jim Harbaugh. I mean, think about this. And, and I, you know, there was some in the control scrimmage, there's a couple times early when they were sort of off, you know, there's some mis- miscommunication or they had to take a timeout or, um, and that's that's normal. I'm not, that's not, not alarming by any stretch. But the, the idea that Jim Harbaugh goes and hires Josh Gaddis, who a 35 year old, Coach, who has never called a play before, uh, and 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 this is and for the first time, Jim Harbaugh is not sort of co-seeing this thing and not creating this collaborative approach to the offensive coordinator position. He's just handing in the keys. That's a really ballsy move. And so, we've arrived at the spring and our first look, and I think. I don't. I mean, look, I just think the Big Ten's so interesting. I don't know whether I, I don't. I don't necessarily have a favorite right now. I, I'd like to kind of take some more. Oh, I mean, you don't seasons. have to,
0: but it's it's but, interesting but, because the the talent on Ohio State's roster has me just sort of going back to this very very lazy comfortable place of being like, yeah, there's a lot of questions. We got to see what's going to happen, but man, Ohio State's roster is so sick. I'm just going to assume that they're going to end up in first place, and Justin Fields is going to figure it out. But the more daring approach is to say, no, I think that Josh Gaddis is going to make this Michigan offense look different in a way that is successful to the Wolverines, that they're going to finally be able to not only get over on Ohio state, but avoid, you know, be able to beat Notre Dame. I mean, that's a massive game. Uh, You know, they got to go on the road to play Penn state. That's a massive game. Um, I just, that, that's sort of where my curiosity is, is, is this spark going to be, one that can rewrite what the narrative and the book has been on Michigan.
3: So the, here, here's what, one thing that I think is interesting, and, I, and this, this sort of struck me watching their scrimmage. And by the way, uh, I watched the Michigan scrimmage um, with, on YouTube with – and I think it was the radio broadcast team was sort of the commentary on the YouTube clips or the YouTube video that I saw – It was awesome, like that. I wish every spring game was like that. They were just like it was three or four guys that know the team, analyzing it, giving you good insight the whole time. No, no sort of fluff interviews with an alum on the sideline talking about what he's going to do in the NFL draft or some celebrity show. It was, anyways, short tangent. (laughs) But what I loved about the 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 game and what I thought was interesting. So, do you guys remember when? All right, when when Hugh Freeze hired. Um, Phil Longo from Sam Houston State. At that time, as his offensive coordinator Ole Miss, at that time, you know, they were coming off a year where they didn't run the ball at all. They had zero run game. At that time, they were trying to um, recruit Cam Akers, a five-star running back it was at Florida State. Now they didn't get him. And the whole sort of message that was delivered to the media was like, this is – it was like a power spread. Was like what they were trying to convey. We're gonna like we we physical. We're a spread team, but we're physical. And you can say that all you want, but it's the, they the two things are kind of mutually exclusive. Um, because you just you can't really develop a, a, a hard nosed physical mentality practicing against the spread every day. Uh, and, and so what I was struck by in this Michigan scrimmage was they they've been this pro style huddle under center downhill offense and a, obviously a very physical you know hard hitting defense since Harbaugh's been at Michigan and now Josh Gaddis comes in they're all gun they're all spread but all the all the old cultural remnants of the old systems are still there like the, the defense is still like watching we'll talk, we'll talk about Oklahoma but watching Oklahoma's defense and the way they were like fitting the run game and and taking on blockers, and then watching Michigan's guys and the way they were doing it, like night and day, totally different, like two totally different, different sports. Yeah, absolutely different sports. And, and in the same vein, offensively, like it looked to me like Michigan was firing off the ball, getting a hat on a hat, and like really bringing a a, a physical element to to the spread. You know. Uh, 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 even as they're implementing this new system and that, that might sort of diminish over time but i'm interested if there's going to be as this offense matures and as Josh Gaddis matures as a coordinator i'm interested if there's like a mesh point there where the two sort of peak at the right time and and the physicality still remains on both sides of the ball but the system is is matures to a point where it's really effective and so that's kind of my big like curiosity with Michigan is can because of the sort of the foundation of that program culturally, you know, can they be that physical spread team that everyone is striving to be at least in like the first sort of two year window uh, where,
0: where they implement it? Who does physical spread the best right now?
3: I mean, offensively, you could argue Oklahoma. I mean, I, th- I think they do. What but, about but on both sides of the ball? Maybe uh Baylor kinda, yeah ma- maybe Penn State, I mean they, they do a decent job of 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 sort of
0: maintaining you know, that physicality ma- maintaining
3: that physicality, uh but they don't have but they don't but I don't know they've yet developed the explosiveness offensively to like really be a be a like a model spread citizen.
0: I feel like Clemson has relied so heavily on the defensive line, right.
3: Yeah, Clemson certainly can can fit. Um, But, I mean, yeah. So, But, look, I I think the other factor of Michigan is, like, what's the – I mean, is Shea Patterson ever really going to be this guy? I mean, the first, like, three throws of that scrimmage, they were, like, these darts and looked beautiful. And then over the course of the spring, you know, he had a couple interceptions, I think. He had a couple of sort of misses. Uh, you know, one of those interceptions was like an attempted back shoulder throw to a true freshman, and maybe it was just a miscommunication. But, I mean, Shea's got to be that guy. Like, he's got to be that guy for Michigan to, to be playoff Big Ten champion contender. And I and he's, he looks like it at
0: times, but I don't know that we're there yet. I'm not betting on it. If if Michigan's getting it done, then Shea Patterson will get a lot of acclaim and accolades. But if we were to if we were to be you know like power ranking or taking a look at, at Big Ten quarterbacks and trying to you know think about what it the the scene is going to look like for 2019, I I think that I would be doing some hard look elsewhere in the Big Ten and uh, and before I just sort of like slot taylor i mean not taylor martinez before i slot uh shea patterson up into that number two spot yeah i would so I, who's number one number one i think i would just go with justin fields right oh wow uh, i
2: don't no, know no who would you yet. put number one uh right now every michigan state quarterback no, um adrian I, adrian I, martinez it might be Adrian Martinez. Yeah,
0: I said Taylor Martinez because I was thinking that I would slot him either up there. I mean, yeah, it, it might be Adrian Martinez because if we're I mean, just going to say it big, right now.
2: The Big it's Ten a, lost a lot of its, you know, quarterbacks. That's one of the reasons why the conference could be kind of wide open this year because there's going to be a lot of new starting quarterbacks.
3: Well, if you were to predict, if you went to the beginning of last year, like the Big Ten media day last year and said, all right, these guys are coming back. These guys are going to the NFL draft. Here's going to be your list of quarterbacks. Uh, you would, uh, you would probably say the best quarterback in the big 10 is going to be a battle between Brian Lewerke and Nate Stanley. And both of those guys (laughs) didn't, didn't quite pull up, hold up their end of the bargain last fall. So, Hey, maybe this is their bounce back year though. And, uh, and, and those I mean it's it's a, it's a really interesting year at quarterback
0: is the big is the big 10 the most uh the most interesting conference to y'all right now
2: uh I think the big 12 is going to be pretty interesting I think I think it's between the big 10 and big 12 as far as I, I Oklahoma and I think Ohio State are still obviously the clear favorites but behind them I feel like there's a whole lot of room for a lot of people to move around
0: Mm. We'll get into those Oklahoma Sooners, and Jalen Hurts, right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
0: and lincoln riley in a in in a way has just really gone all in on trying to to make the spring game a big deal he made a big deal of it to the media he said that he wants it to be a you know packed out stadium he's trying to make it one of the biggest recruiting weeks that weekends that they have throughout the entire year uh, it is it is something that i think makes sense for a program that dominates the state in a way that, you know, is so unique and, and makes Oklahoma football very much a, a blue blood status. Jalen Hurts is making his debut here. Um, I guess, what what do we, what do we think here? Like, is Jalen Hurts had a, a solid, effective uh, start here in the spring game? Is there any reason to doubt that Jalen Hurts is going to be, like, he seems like a very, 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 high floor proposition i don't know how high the ceiling is i mean i guess the ceiling could be kyler murray again but i think that the floor for jalen hurts at oklahoma with lincoln riley is incredibly high for 2019
2: yeah i think the floor for any quarterback at oklahoma with lincoln riley is always going to be incredibly high i think when you win heisman back-to-back heismans with different quarterbacks i think that says a lot about your offense and your coaching for me i'm I, the story for Oklahoma, I mean, obviously I watched Jalen Hurts, and I think that was the most the thing everybody was paying attention to, but Oklahoma's defense is going to be what decides their season. It's If they don't improve on defense, it's going to be very similar to what we saw last year where the offense is amazing, but then when they get to the playoff or the Big 12 championship game, you know, they run into the other elite teams, that defense is going to cost them a chance to win games. So for me, I know Jalen Hurts gets the attention and I understand it, but I was more interested in watching the defense, and that defense, you know, it looked a lot like it did last year, to be honest, but there's still, again, it's the spring, so there's a long time between now and when it actually matters.
0: We're going to say Alex Grinch's name a lot, either for good or bad, like his, when you are a high-profile coordinator and a high-profile coordinator higher in the off offseason, that's, that. You know, you can get you can give some time for everything to get put in place. Barton, do you think that Oklahoma has the personnel to combine with Alex Grinch to be able to to make Oklahoma's defense be a difference maker?
3: Yeah, and I mean, I guess I couldn't. You know, we couldn't have expected them to just be dramatically improved in a spring game. Um, I've I've never really felt like the personnel was the issue there. I feel like the, I mean, the culture for lack of a better word, uh, the mentality, the toughness, like those are the things I think that 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 program is missing defensively. And I didn't see that improved. They were soft, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, they were were getting, yeah, I I didn't see that improved. And not that it should be. And I think Alex Grinch will make the, you know, he will create some issues for teams. You know, we saw, even at the spring game, I saw a little bit of that, like you know, he gave the quarterback some problems just with the way they were sort of mixing up pressures and and soft coverage and dropping linemen and yeah. You know, so they they were doing some some things already where like you're going to see some some tricks. But ultimately, like Oklahoma's got to be able to to not trick people on defense, but go beat people up on defense. And that, that's not there yet. It might get there, and, and Alex Grinch may bring it there, but it's not there yet. I, I, I thought. I mean, as far as the Jalen Hurts thing, like his, I, I think his, I don't know if his ceiling is number one pick, like Kyler Murray, but it is, he's definitely got a Heisman ceiling. Like he's, he is going to be really good. And man, like there were so many talented receivers that he had to throw to. Like and a bunch of them were freshmen. I mean, it is truly an embarrassment of like pass catching riches there. So that, that's, in place um and then it's also a little kind of nice that look last year we might have might have like you you could we could trick ourselves into saying there was a quarterback competition last year at Oklahoma you can't Tanner Mordecai is is not keeping pace with
2: Jalen Hurts right now he's getting lapped Jalen Jalen Hurts did not transfer to Oklahoma to sit
3: yeah, and and Tanner yeah. Mordecai doesn't even look capable of, of being the next guy, anyways. Spencer Rattler comes in. Like if if Jalen Hurts didn't transfer, and I watched that spring game, the 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 hype for the summer arrival for Spencer Rattler would be off the charts right now. Um, so you know, welcome to the Jalen Hurts era.
2: Um, I can't wait. Can we talk for once? Just yeah, with, between Baker Mayfield and then Kyler Murray. Now, what we'll probably see with Jalen Hurts. I can't wait to see what Lincoln Riley does with a QB who he recruits to Norman and then gets three years with.
3: Yeah,
0: is it Spencer going to redshirt? Probably.
3: I don't know, but he'll probably just get two with him. I mean, I think he's that kind of talent. He'll play. He'll, he won't play this year. He'll play two years. Redshirt sophomore, junior year, he'll be gone. Like that would be my 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 guess
0: based on what I think he is goodness gracious all right so what's the didn't we have texas also i bet i guess texas had bad weather right
2: yeah texas's game was uh boring yeah <laughs> I think this is the best way to put it. Dicker, the kicker, was the MVP of the game, is from what I could tell. So it was just, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was what sixteen to six was the final score. Yeah. The weather was kind of messed up. They weren't really able to do a whole lot, and I don't think they were trying to do a whole lot. the The most interesting aspect of the game to me was that it was the burnt orange versus the icy whites.
3: So the, the I didn't. I didn't even watch the Texas game because uh, I don't have the Longhorn Network. Um, but you're sort of comment there reminded me like one of my biggest takeaways from Oklahoma was that game, maybe it was the fact that it was at night, maybe it was the fact that, I don't know, the place looked packed, but it was it it felt like there was great energy at that event. That's what he wanted. And that's what he wanted. You said Mm -hmm. it up front. like And like that's like Lincoln Riley is, is hitting it out of the park, I think, in terms of just like generating the excitement, the like authentic, not gimmicky excitement around the program, just making it like he, I think he's effectively making Oklahoma just a cool place, like a a place that's like attractive to recruits and fans. And so uh, I thought that was, that was a big check for, for OU was Oklahoma not cool with Bob Stoops. They weren't, they weren't like the cool school. I don't think Yeah. I'm not saying they weren't, you know, they weren't like.
2: They were successful.
3: they No weren't doubt sexy. about
2: that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you get, you get Lincoln, and then you know you get Jordan coming in. Yeah. It's 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 definitely been a brand upgrade across the board for the Sooners uh, here in the last little bit. Hey, fans, we know that you love college football, but you probably also watch a lot of other sports too. And if you want to be able to get picks, whether they be uh, baseball picks or NBA playoff picks. Tom, you know, Tom Fernelli over here has been crushing it. Are you the number one expert still for uh, baseball? I'm the number one NBA expert. Number one NBA expert, Tom Fernelli, and you can get his picks if you have a Sportsline membership. And you can get your first month of Sportsline for just $1. Use the promo code PASSION. P A S S I O N. The promo code passion, uh, when you sign up for a SportsLine membership, you get your first month for just $1. All of Tom's picks all in one place. Sportsline.com, promo code passion. Triple crown, futures,
2: I'm, lots of stuff. I'm up 22.89 units in the NBA this year.
0: Ooh. Barton, you hear that? Or are you back on the are you back on the train now that it's NBA playoff time? Uh, You've got NBA no. playoff systems that are proven.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I gotta, I gotta dive in. Um, but uh, you know, sp- I've been in spring game mode. You know, so it's one thing after another. Uh, spring game mode. Now we got Preds playoff hockey going on. We got the NFL draft
0: in so, Nashville.
3: In Nashville. So give me another week and a half, and I'll dive into first quarter and in, in NBA playoff bets.
0: Um, let's hit a couple of uh, SEC schools right here for at florida just kind of a wildly impressive performance from felipe franks now matt fink is going to transfer out of the program emery jones from what i can tell is is probably going to be the backup matt finks Finks, usc oh matt finks usc my bad what is and he's transferring out
3: yeah well he's in in the portal in the portal
1: all
0: right is is felipe franks going to be a game-changing quarterback for the florida gators
2: in 2019 define game changing
0: will like will make will be the reason that the Gators are competing for an SEC East title
2: I think he can be I think he could be the reason they lose an SEC East title more than likely that he'll be the reason they win an SEC East title but you, I mean, he progressed as the year went on last season, and looked good in their bowl game, and he looked re- he looked great in the spring game. So, I mean, he could maybe Dan Mullen, you know, who's had plenty of success with quarterbacks in his career, maybe that we we're going to see him take that step forward. But I still think that while he's, I'm not saying Felipe Franks is bad by any means, but I, I think that he's still a second tier kind of starting quarterback, and I don't I don't mean that to be insulting.
1: Uh,
2: I'm
3: I'm. I'm on the other side of this. I, I'm I'm getting pretty, pretty bullish on Uh-oh. this Gator stuff. Like, this is, if you're a Florida fan and you're just a, like a giggly, like optimistic oh, I know one of those scenario guy, and you see Dan Mullen come in, I think... I think you say – and I, I, I kind of said it last year in terms of – I made this prediction pretty publicly. It's just sort of like – I mean, as as I don't know how bold this was, but I was like, look, Felipe Franks will be a competent SEC quarterback this year under Dan Mullen. And I think he was. He was a competent SEC quarterback. So I think then the question becomes, all right, is competent SEC quarterback Felipe Franks' ceiling? I, I would argue that no. He's still got a ceiling that is – like. I'm telling. What's going to happen is, Felipe Franks is going to be a top three round NFL draft pick, and <laughs> because because here's what's going to happen:
0: Clayton Thorson
3: 2.0 He's going to teams are going to fall in love he with. He does have
2: the size. Yeah,
3: his size, his 80 yard arm, and he's going to have. I think he's going to have a really good year this year. And I'm not. It's just the next step in the progression of a Dan Mullen quarterback. Felipe Franks. Is a more talented quarterback than Nick Fitzgerald? Than I mean, a lot of the guys that Dan Mullen. I don't. know I'm not going to go ahead. I'm not going to say he's a better, better quarterback than Dak Prescott. But he's like he has some really rare traits, and I think this. I think Dan Mullen is like like all the way legit. I mean, I think he is a he is a great quarterback developer. I think he is a great. Uh, scheme coach and I think he is a, a a really good CEO and I think this is starting to take off for Florida and I this is I'm trying not to make this an overreaction to a really good spring game performance and just speak more from the the trajectory of Felipe Franks and what would I think be a, a sensible next step in year two under Dan Mullen for a because like, you know Felipe Franks was always going to have a, a a, a developmental sort of upward curve
2: mm-hmm. it
3: was just it just got more dramatic when Dan Mullen arrived and they've got a lot of talents around them I mean offensive line needs to be I think needs to improve uh but they've they've got big time playmakers at, at skill particularly at receiver the defense there's still a bunch of remnants you know sort of elite sec defensive players there uh florida's got to continue to recruit at that high level at that spot but i i think that i am starting to this i'm in the early stages of talking myself into this being a two-team race
2: in the sec east as opposed to georgia and everybody else well here here's it for frank's the good signs where we mentioned you last year he played well And, you know, after after a very iffy kind of freshman season that you expect most dudes to have, I mean, the the most encouraging thing from him last season was that he had the 24 touchdowns and only six interceptions. And after having, like, eight interceptions and fewer pass attempts the year before, and, you know, he nearly more than doubled his touchdown output. But you mentioned the 80-yard arm. My concern is that, you know, he still only averaged 7.6 yards per attempt last season. And you mentioned the Dak Prescott comps. And Dak, during his junior and senior season, like he was at 8.7 yards attempt and then 8-something yards per attempt. So I think that's something that we should look at this year for Franks as far as his development under Mullen and what he can do with that offense. If he's able – if Mullen's able to turn Franks into a guy that can average over 8 yards per attempt – suddenly that Florida offense becomes a lot more dynamic and a lot more dangerous and definitely makes them somebody who we could consider a contender with Georgia. So I guess going back to your original question, Chip, in that manner, yes, I guess Franks could be a game changer because if he does take that step forward and becomes that guy, then it does change the landscape for what Florida's ceiling is in 2019.
0: I generally favor yards per attempt over total yards as a matter of principle, but there were seven games last year where Felipe Franks had under 200 yards passing. Yes. I, I would say that is cut in half, and we might only see that happen like two or three times, probably in the non-con in games that they're running away with. It, I mean, Trevon, Gr- you mentioned it. Um, Grimes, Kadarius Toney, uh, you, there's just too much skill position talent. and uh, Dan- Grimes
2: averaged 48.8 yards per catch in the spring game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mullen mentioned after the game that you know he's been impressed with the way that um you know he's he continues to to get a hold of the offense and develop and and to your point barton like and i think we said this a little bit last year does does seeing nick fitzgerald in 2017 to 2018 like doesn't that uh lend something to the idea that dan mullen really might just have the special sauce here I mean, we might be looking back,
3: and I don't know when the look back is. I don't know when I should set this over-under at. Maybe it's the end of this year. Maybe it's the end of next year. Maybe it's three years from now. I don't know. But we might be looking back and being like, wow, like there, there is a serious governor on the engine in Starkville because Dan Mullen is Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney playing for national championships. Like I, I think that that is not out of the realm of possibility. That that Dan Mullen gets this thing on jet fuel quickly, and and we look back and be like, man, if Dan Mullen could only, you know, go nine and three and eight and four in, in Starkville, that's a tougher job than we thought. Like I, I just think Dan Mullen might be sort of
0: legit,
2: really
3: real, yeah. good,
2: <laughs> v yeah. v good. Remember remember the debate between Dan Mullen and Chip Kelly before last about which yeah. way Florida should go? Yeah. Yeah. How that turned out. I mean
0: What if what if Florida had hired Chip Kelly and Chip Kelly was doing this exclusive offer thing he's doing at UCLA?
3: You know <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this recruiting approach. Would get him absolutely run out of town in the SEC.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's keep it in the SEC. Tennessee had its its spring game. We've got uh, Jim Cheney in as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, Jared Guarantano had uh, from from what I can tell, a, a, an okay performance. Tom Tom, you wrote about it in your in your spring game wrap up. Like, do we? Well, We're talking about the SEC East two team race. I'm not expecting Tennessee to be able to to jump up into SEC title contention, but it has there been enough to make you think that in year two with Jeremy Pruitt, the Vols are going to be climbing up a tier or maybe even two tiers in that division.
2: I think from I mean based on what I saw, and again, one thing we haven't mentioned yet when it comes to the spring games. Offensive lines tend to struggle a bit more in spring games, simply especially when there's a lot of new starters on them because you know it it takes time for an offensive line to learn a rhythm and gel with you know the guy next to it and my one takeaway from Tennessee was that unless that offensive line improves they're probably not gonna I mean I feel like six and six seven and five is the ceiling Mm. based on what I saw in the spring game again. Long way to go, a lot of improvement could still be made. But I don't think that I saw anything in that game that makes me think Tennessee's taking a huge leap forward in year two under Pruitt. I think they could be a more competent team and more, you know, more I guess dangerous is a good word to describe them. Whereas, you know, they could pull off an upset of Florida, they could pull off an upset of Georgia, but the consistency I I, I need to see more from that offensive line than from what I saw in that spring game to take that team too seriously.
3: Uh, I agree. I agree. I think the offensive line is still the concern. I do think I, I, the spring game was just it was it was kind of whatever for me. I mean, there was some some takeaways that you know some positive takeaways if, if you were looking for them. You know, there was you know some some concerns if you're looking for them. the The thing that strikes me though is I, I still I think the staff is really good. I think. And I still think that there is a dramatic difference between sort of how this team will develop under Jeremy Pruitt versus Butch Jones. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read, but David um, Ubin, i hope I'm saying his name correctly—from the Athletic yeah. had an interview with Jonathan Jonathan Kongbo. Um, like a, it's an exit interview, is how he how headlines it. Some of the some of the excerpts from that are. are are wild. Like here's one that really jumps out at me, which which like totally encapsulates sort of what my pers like what I thought the Butch Jones era was. Uh he says something like he says I can say I can say you know I can say that now because I see how Jerry Prud is doing it, talking about you know his his belief that they're gonna get better and what he's doing is elite. You can tell his message from the weight room and how it's set up in meetings. You're meeting every day, you're getting football in every day. It wasn't like that before. And then the question is, and then the, the follow question is, what was it like before? Man, we'd have football twice a week during the offseason. We'd have football meetings twice a week. Also, you know, the rules have changed over time. Last year, we had football in the mornings and in the afternoons. We were getting it twice a day, specifically just for football stuff. So I feel like at the old place, it was about the fluff and having cooled this, cooled that. We need to have new TVs we're changing TVs like every week or we need, need new wallpaper. Now we need to win games. It was just the wrong things they cared about. Like, can't you just envision that like Butch Jones being like, Hey man, we, this, this TV and cutting it, we need 65 inches. Uh, there's a new 4k out. Let's get that taken care of the wallpaper. ain't cutting it. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't care about any of that nonsense. Like he is all ball all the time. And so there's a, there's a level of, I think expected just progression because I do think that this staff is good. I do think that this staff is about like the right things. And so I'm with Tom in that like, I don't quite see it yet up front, but I just think they will be, I just like when you're, t- when you're looking at the sec East, I'm, I don't want to put Tennessee last because I just think they'll figure it out a way to beat a few of those teams. You know, it's
2: <clears throat> that, that that quote about the way things were kind of explains a lot, because if you think about it, the stuff that he says that Butch Jones and that staff seemed interested in were the kind of things that could lure recruits. And I feel like Butch Jones's yes. staff did a good job of luring recruits. It's just then they didn't do anything to develop them.
3: Yeah. Yes. But not only if, that, not only that, but they were luring recruits that are interested in the superficial things. Yeah. Mm. So even the recruits they're luring, while they're they're the highly rated guys, they're the highly rated guys Who's that are soft. most interested in <laughs> what your you know, what your facilities decorations are, not the you know, the weight room game plan.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: that is an insightful ass quote, whether it was meant to be or not. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Hey Barton, is the Auburn quarterback battle between joey gatewood and bo nix one of the more intriguing quarterback battles heading into the offs the summer and fall camp in the sec
3: i think it is I, I still need to i gotta dig into that spring game a little more it's it appears uh i don't know if it, either of y'all watched it but it, it sounds like joey gatewood had a pretty good game yeah um i mean if joey gatewood is I thought Bo Nix was going to be the starter. I think I called. Did I call it on the pod? A yes, couple you did. Weeks ago? Yeah,
0: you declared it. It was. It was. A, it was. I mean, it was a, I'm going to declare this on now. <laughs> yes. Uh,
3: yeah. I I think if if Joey Gatewood is is improved enough as a passer, I mean, because Bo Nix is a good athlete too, so I don't want to undersell him as the an ability like as as undersell his ability to run. But if if Joey Gatewood is improved as a passer, he's a like very unique athlete. I mean, Cam Newton ish size and like raw athleticism. I'm not saying he's Cam Newton, even in terms of what his running ability or, but in terms of just, you know, the, the skill meter, like lining up the tool set, like he's got Cam Newton stuff to him. I mean, he's a massive kid who's really athletic. And so if he can throw it and, and accurately be a passer, I mean, that's, that is a unique element. So, um, that 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 suddenly
2: got really intriguing to me.
0: Auburn fans already hot and bothered by the Martin
2: Simmons guarantees that Gatewood is the next Cam Newton. Well, no, that's what I
0: saw from coming out of the spring game. Like in in reading up on the notes and in in trying to to play catch up here, the like. Some of the the columns were like, "We can't say it, but we're gonna say it." He looks a lot like Cam, <laughs> like that. It's that Cam Newton is obviously an iconic uh, college quarterback, uh, an MVP at the NFL level. But like that is the kind of thing that's just gonna linger for a long time. There, just any big, athletic, uh, effective quarterback who's suiting up for Auburn listen, I'm not going to say it, all right? I'm not going to say it, but he looks like Cam. Looks just like Cam. Haven't seen anybody like him since Cam. Um, so that's that's quite – I mean, if anything, it that's good, right, for Bo Nix because Joey Gatewood's got some experience and therefore you're not totally relying on true freshmen there. Right, right. And, <laughs> but I mean, it's – yeah, it's like the –
3: that guy's got the curse of the Cam Newton expectation because he just looks like Cam. He just <laughs> rolled into town looking like Cam playing quarterback. It's like, all right, well, let's see what you can do.
0: Um, let's see who else. Uh, I know Barton, you had Texas A and M thoughts. Uh, Tom, did you want to hit? Let's see, Penn State or Notre-, Notre Dame? Tom, let me tell me tell me what you think about your beloved Irish.
2: <laughs> um, I, honestly, it was really hard. The Notre Dame game was just kind of hard to judge. Because it was just, it was set up weird. It was, uh, there really wasn't anything I think important to take away. The, the one, the, the question about Notre Dame is they lost a lot of dudes on that defense and it's going to be interesting to see how that, def- that they're able to move forward if they're able to keep that level of play. Because if not, then we're probably going to see a step back. Although more than anything, we're likely to see a step back anyway because going 12-0 is really hard to do. But, I mean, it looked they looked like Notre Dame. There really wasn't anything that stood out of that game that made you sc- like, take exceptional notice and think, oh, that guy's going to be really good, or, oh, this could be a problem. It just looked, you know, it looked a lot like the same Notre Dame team we've seen the last few years, pretty much. Ian Book had good moments. Ian Book had bad moments. It's just, Far Armstrong looked good. I think that, you know... Maybe that's the one thing I would take away that more than anything is Jafar Armstrong looks like he's going to be capable of taking over Dexter Williams's role, and they'll be just fine in that aspect.
0: More Joe Montana than Joe Montana for me in book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Barton, did you watch any of Notre Dame yet? I know you say you got Texas A and M. I I didn't I've I have not
3: watched Notre Dame's yet. That's on the DVR. I was hoping I couldn't find it on the YouTube. So that's got to be a home office a home office uh, voyage that I haven't been able to make yet. So,
0: what what do you um, think about the Aggies?
3: Well, I, 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 so like the whole thing about um, Texas A and M and what you know Jimbo Fisher is doing there is is about sort of all right right, they're... The, the recruitment and the transition of kind of the roster into an Alabama contender is, is what's unique about that. And what I saw in that spring game was a bunch of pretty dudes running around. I mean, they got like six two rocked-up cornerbacks. They've got a bunch of big-bodied defensive linemen. Like they've, I don't know what they're feeding them. I don't know who the strength coach is, but they seem to be doing something right there. Um they've got they just they just are look they are looking the part right now. And by the way, like they've got their quarterback room is I mean Kellen Mond is a starter, but behind him, whether it's uh Zach Calzada, um oh I'm blanking on the on the 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 other white kid, and then there's the uh James Foster kid. All these dudes have absolute cannons like just monster laser arms that and they're not like necessarily all great quarterbacks yet but they can just totally like like i mean they're just the the, the arms out there jimbo has a type right in that jimbo has a type yeah you you tell me he ain't gonna he's not gonna sort of mold one of those guys into some first round talent i mean like they're they're low four-star high three-star guys they're not they're not no doubt talent's in the complete package, but one of them, Jimbo is going to mold into this, this stud. And so I just, you just look around and you, know, there's Baylor cup, six foot six, 245 pounds, true freshman, catching passes. There's, um, you know, they they've got just Moses Reynolds, this big old cornerback making big hits. It, it just, it just looks like a team that will be very capable. And I, I still don't necessarily think this is that year, but I think we're two. I think, I think, and then also this is year two in Elko's system. And I just, I think we are the, you know, the, the, it, it has, it has been written like it, it, the path has begun. Texas A&M will contend
0: uh, it's probably 2020, but it's going to happen. I'm going to say that Baylor cup is going to have at least 40 catches and eight touchdowns. That's based um, on just taking all of Jay Sternberger's stats, 48 catches, 10 touchdowns, and feeling like he's just going to plug in so nicely to that role in Jimbo's system.
3: I I agree. I mean, he was such the perfect fit, yeah.
0: Copy and paste. Uh,
3: anything else stand out? Uh, so, quickly, Tate, I didn't watch it. The it, it, Tate Martell <laughs> has quickly gone from
2: the savior, the to, savior
3: <laughs> to Yeah, he's finding out the wrath of Miami fans quickly. Uh, I guess it wasn't a good day for him. So the quarterback job is still still up for debate um, in, in Coral Gables. And how about Tommy Stevens at Penn State hitting the transfer portal? Did you guys
2: see that news that popped yeah. this morning? Or I guess yesterday? Yeah, surprising, but at the same time not too surprising. How come? I mean just because you know Stevens has been there what this is his redshirt senior year so he's it's his like fifth year on campus and I think we kind of just all assumed he was going to take over based on the fact that he's been there and he's had time but I mean you feel like the way Penn State's used him in the last year is more of an h-back than a quarterback and I feel like Penn State you know was maybe more comfortable using him as in that kind of role and you look at Sean Clifford who's been taking most of the first team reps with the team cuz you know Stevens had surgery in December, so he's been missing a lot of time. He hasn't really been able to be there. But Clifford is a former, you know, he's a former four-star recruit in their 2017 class who was recruited by the offensive coordinator, who was handpicked by the offensive coordinator. Stevens was a guy that Ronnie inherited. Clifford's the guy he chose. Clifford's the guy that's been getting the reps. So even though I feel like we all thought this was going to be a competition all spring, summer into the fall, once Stevens had the surgery and started losing first-team reps, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. Then Clifford's been, by the accounts of people I've talked to, he's looked good during so the spring.
3: I would only, like, my um, my guess on this, I, I kind of am... My guess is that Tommy Stevens, by entering the transfer portal, and I don't know if there's been reporting on this or not yet, but I, I would guess, this doesn't mean he's transferring. I would guess Tommy Stevens... Is saying, I'm going to, this is my last chance here. I'm a fifth year senior. Mm-hmm. I need to play this year. It looks like this job is going to be a little trickier to win than I once thought. I missed the spring basically because of injury. I'm going to float this out there. I'm going to see who bites, see if there's an opportunity that presents itself where, man, this is too good to pass up. I'm going to go play my senior year over here. And if nothing really pops up, then maybe you just dig back in and say, "All right, um, I'm back, coach. Let's let let's fight for this." But spring's over; everyone's got their depth charts figured out a little bit more. And who who needs a quarterback? You know, maybe it's Miami. Maybe maybe Miami says, "Come on down. <laughs> oh my gosh, it be ours." There's, it's better than what there's we got. a
2: there's a school in his own division who should maybe sniff around. Who's that? Michigan State. Mm. You, so you've already you just quit on the worky, huh? I'm I i have not quit on the workie, but I'm not enthusiastic about worky. I mean, I don't know. I just I think that Stevens I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right in that he's more just exploring instead of intent on leaving, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets plenty of sniffs and I don't know if right. it's just gonna be from group of five schools. I think there will be some power five schools and like I said, maybe even within his own division or conference who will show interest.
3: I will say this about Penn State from the spring game. I'm I am under the impression their defense is going to be really good. It just looks they look fast, they look really physical. They, if that offense can can improve, if the receivers can kind of step up, I mean that that could be maybe that's the team in the in the Big Ten this year
0: because I I, I how do they score points? Defense is legit. I mean, they got KJ Hamler, right? That's that is what you were hanging your hat on. But when you lose McSorley, Miles Sanders, DeAndre Tompkins, Jawan Johnson, that's that's a lot of production that's gone from that team.
3: Yeah, I'm not really worried about the run game. I think they'll, that'll show up. You know, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown. You know, Journey Brown was like a low key, like a ten five hundred meter guy in high school. Like, that's fast. He can run. And, and so I think they'll find – and, and uh, Noah Kane looked good, the true freshman in the spring game. Uh, Whether it's committee approach, I think they'll find production in the run game. I, I just – man, they've recruited too well at wide receiver for one of those guys to not step up. And that's – I think that's what they're missing. They need they need playmakers. K.J. Hamler is one, but they need playmakers. Justin Shorter was the number one receiver in the country, and I'm getting nervous about that right now. He's got to <laughs> do something. Um yeah. So if they can't find those guys, if those guys aren't going to be be what they're supposed to be, then yeah, I think you got concerns. But if they if they do, all of a sudden, you know, that could blow the lid off it. So I, I it's 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 a it'll be something to watch. I do I I do my hunch is they're going to be pretty good on defense
0: that's barton simmons you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons that's tom franelli you can follow him at tom franelli you can follow me at chip underscore patterson make sure that you're always watching cbs sports hq is the 24 7 sports news network streaming on all of your devices and online at cbs just go and download that cbs sports app it'll be right there for you or the cbs app gentlemen thank you very much thank you